Hi everyone, I'm Kay Helm and this is the Your Voice Podcast. Find your voice, tell your story, change the world. Today I'm talking with Jonathan and Johanna. I've known Johanna for several years. She was part of an amazing group of young people at my home church. And Johanna grew up, went to school, got married, and now Johanna and Jonathan are here. So I'll let them tell you a bit about who they are and what they're doing. Thanks for having us, Kay. I'm Johanna. My husband, Jonathan, is here as well. Yeah, since I've moved on, since the Lighthouse days, I've been going to, went to a missions training program, um, got married, went to the mission field for a few months, and to make a long story shorter, we're on the way to moving to the mission field here in the next year. I'll let Jonathan introduce himself quickly. <laughs> yeah, we're so excited to be here. And Johanna and I have been married for three years. And um, prior to that, we had both done missions work fairly extensively um, as single young adults and also worked in the business world and um, other um, ventures and things of that nature. But most recently, since we've been married, we've spent time overseas um, in the Middle East and other countries and have been preparing for the past year to move back overseas, giving leadership to a team that's planting a base, prayer and worship and evangelism and church planning within the 1040 window and specifically in the Middle Eastern nations. Okay. Um, you mentioned the 1040 window. Can you just tell me what, what is that for folks that haven't heard that term? Sure thing. So the 1040 window is something that missions workers and missiologists use in the church world, and it stands for the 10 and 40 degrees of latitude that go across uh, North Africa, the Middle East, and Eastern Asia. And so between those degrees of latitude is actually where the vast majority of people in the world live who are currently unreached and unengaged, those who have no access to the gospel, no church expression in their native language or in their native culture. And those are the, the vast majority of people live in that window, and that's why it's a strategic place for the missions world to engage with and for the church in the West to send their resources to both people and finances in order to bring the gospel to those who literally have no access to it otherwise. What set you guys on this course? How did you, um, as individuals, and then, then you met in mission school, right? I would say both of us really had it in our hearts for years to, to work with missions in some capacity, and doors just opened for us to make that a reality. Right after we were married, we just kind of found ourselves with this opportunity to lead a team of young people on a missions trip to the Middle East. And after, of course, going through all the <laughs> all the reasons why it's super inconvenient, you know, we just got married, we're starting a business, all of those questions, we just realized this is actually something that has been in our hearts since before we knew each other. Um, both of us individually had always felt a pull towards the mission field and um we just took took a step of faith when the door opened at the time that it opened which was a few months after we got married so you get married now you've got this opportunity so you mentioned that you you had all these all these reasons not to make this choice sure but you knew that this was an opportunity so how 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 do you know those things for somebody out there that maybe is struggling with that. How do you know? Um, for us, I think it's different for everyone. And especially if, you know, if you're a believer, I think God speaks to everyone in different ways. And for some people, it's they get clear 
really clear signs and prophetic words and things like that. For us, it was kind of just a knowing and we realized, we just kind of realized that maybe our hesitations were unbelief and not necessarily the wisdom of God. And so we also realized there's a lot of reasons not to. This is something that would take a lot of faith. And that kind of sounds characteristic of God leading you into something. It normally takes a lot of faith and it doesn't make sense (laughs) and it might not be the way you planned it but once we realized that and realized that maybe you know all the risks actually were a sign that God's inviting us into a step of faith we started to get excited about it and those those things that make it look kind of crazy and kind of wild end up feeling more exciting when you realize it's God and it, it's true. It, this opportunity, you know, wasn't just a, a two-week trip like things we've done in the past. This was for three months, and so it actually required a, a lot of sacrifice of us to leave kind of the comfort of our jobs and what we were used to. And I actually, you know, required me to sell my business before we left. And so we found ourselves really at a crossroads. And it was for us, you know, it was bigger than just choosing to go somewhere for three months or to stay where we were currently living. But it was truly a, a crossroads of the next five years, you know, am I going to build my company? Or are we going to continue to move forward? Or are we going to follow the Lord in, in something that we kind of, we feel this urge in our hearts to do, but we don't see how all the pieces will come together. You know, we don't know how the money will come in, like all these questions, but we just really, Johanna had faith. And then I think I entered into her faith and <laughs> <laughs> just talked and prayed and, you know, felt like, Hey, maybe this is the Lord. And we're also at a unique place in our life where we don't have kids yet, and um, this could be the right timing for us. And so we just said yes and just jumped into it, and the Lord really met us there in the yes, and he totally provided the way. You know, it wasn't all easy, but it was worth it. I think that's important. It's not easy, but worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good because it's so many things in life are like that. You know, and I've heard people say um, nothing, you know— that's really worth achieving is achieved easily. Like if it's not hard to get or hard to find, it's not valuable. Right, right. And so that brings us to challenges. What are some of the challenges that you faced and how have you overcome those? I think for me, always the biggest thing in in doing this kind of missions work and and following the Lord in this way is um, trusting God with money. It always seems to be, you know, the number one thing that he calls us to step out in faith with. And so for me, the biggest challenge, I think, is to get out of the natural mindsets, you know, that we're raised with, where things have to make sense or things have to be logical and add up. And of course, we we want wisdom and of course, we want strategy. But it's when the Lord speaks, you know, and is drawing us to take a step of faith, we can't always trust in our own natural means or natural resources. And so I think for me, the biggest challenge is to almost step outside of myself of, you know, what I feel my role as a man or as a husband or as a father is and trust God as provider and trust, you know, that if he is, he's leading us to do something, he'll provide the means and provide the way to do it. And so far he has not let us down. Yeah. Probably another, another challenge that I would mention is I feel like it's a, it's been a big challenge to let go of feeling like you have control, which we, we, most of us know by now that, the idea of having control over your life is kind of an illusion anyway, but um, really signing up for to be a missionary for us the past few years has really 
we've had to trust God to have control over, you know, where we're going to live, what, where, how we're going to raise our money, um, just what we're going to be doing on a day-to-day basis. If we have to travel a lot for different speaking things or even just missions trips and everything, we've really had to let go of us having a sense of control. And for me, that's like letting go of stability, letting go of predictability. And um, as you get like, I don't know, after you're married for a little bit, I don't think it takes long for most of us to kind of want to settle down and have a predictable life and a comfortable lifestyle. And for us, this has been letting go of feeling entitled to that. Our life is for God to use however he pleases. And sometimes it's stretching and sometimes it's not predictable. When you're faced with those challenges and the stretching, you you went to missions training school. How does, how does the school prepare you? But then how does it, how also is that kind of personal preparation that you that you have to do on your own that nobody can you can have examples and and you may have lessons but those things that you have to find on your own what's that like it's a great question and a great point I think one of the biggest things that probably both of us got out of ministry training school just aside from you know the Lord moving and amazing experiences that we've had and things like that but tools for moving forward the biggest thing I've learned in facing challenges like this is to, is to not go it alone, you know, not to be a lone ranger. So many of us, I think, you know, want to come kind of just turn into ourselves when we experience hardship or challenges and not open up and be vulnerable to other people. But um, just being encouraged and being led in a way that, you know, causes you to to be drawn out by others and to learn the value of working with a team, of working in community, of sharing your life, sharing your struggles and experiences with other people. God purposed things and destines things that's way. That's the way that he set things up to work is that we're a body and we need each other and we need relationship, we need family. And so I think in dealing with challenges, you know, and, and hardship and things like that, that can be one of the, the hardest things to do, but one of the most rewarding things to do in that other people will make you better than, than you can make yourself alone. Other people will propel you forward and will show you the best in yourself and will give you wisdom and advice. And oftentimes the Lord, you know, speaks not just us directly, but he speaks through his body. He speaks through other people. And if you don't embrace other people and the people that he's put around you, then you miss out on God speaking to you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a lot of wisdom right there. You said something, Johanna, when when you guys were uh, visiting at the church last week that really kind of caught my ear. And you were talking about just being invited into people's homes. You showed a picture of a group of people around a table. I think there was maybe some tea uh, set out. uh, Lots of tea. Yes, always lots of tea in the Middle East. Yes, (laughs) That's how it goes. (laughs) And so... uh, yeah, you know, but you talked about, hey, we just met these folks just right before this right. picture, and here we are in, in the house. And so, and Jonathan, you're talking about relationships. Tell me about that as you go into a new country, a new culture, new languages, those types of things, mm-hmm. and that relational type of living, how that plays out now once you get on the field. For us, that's something that's really exciting about the area of the world that we're going to. It's the culture of hospitality and relational living it actually makes it really easy to interact with people to make new friends to share the gospel to connect with people it's a kind of a breath of fresh air for us in 
for us, we've kind of been used to everyone just lives in your own bubble and like, you know, and you kind of look at your phone and, and keep your schedule and stay busy and make time for people when you have time. But yeah, we really found that when, when we would go out on the streets and talk with people, they, they weren't in a hurry. They were happy to talk to us. Some of it was just fascination, like across cultures, because they know that we're Westerners and they're interested in hearing and learning more about that. But it does kind of make our job easier. You know, our goal being to share the love of God with people who have never encountered it. It does make our job easier. The fact that they're so open to interacting with people, they'll have us, they'll give us opportunities for that. So yeah, they, they'll invite us to our house after, to their house after, you know, just one conversation at the park. They want us to come over and have tea with them or meet their family, meet, you know, meet my mom, meet my, meet my husband or whatever. So we feel like it's just part of the open, an open door for the gospel, for what we're doing. Yeah, it's so different in the way that we, you know, are raised and grow up here in the West and in America, especially is it's so individualistic and it's, you know, I'm independent and I am totally in control of my life and choose what I want to do and how I want to live and how I want to interact with people. And also just the emergence of, you know, social media and technology and the way that we live our lives through our phones. I mean, of course, they have phones and they have Facebook and everything over there. In the Middle East, they love it and they take pictures all the time. But there's this this older way of living where it's a, a focus on relationship, a focus on family, a focus on community and culture. And they don't do things apart from doing life with other people. And so like Johanna was saying, you know, it's just it's an amazing thing to come from a culture like America. That's not bad inherently, but it's it's different. And it's more of a actually a biblical way of living, a kingdom way of living to do life with other people and intentionally, you know, slow down and whoever's in front of you actually give them the time of day and actually talk and, you know, make a meaningful connection. And we see um, how they live that way with each other, not just with foreigners, but it's super welcoming as a foreigner who's, you know, having a cross-cultural experience and the culture shock and things like this, or you're totally out of your comfort zone and, and everything that you know, you're in a different place, everything's different, you don't fit in and you're so aware of it. To have the people be welcoming and warm and hospitable, yeah, you feel it, it means a lot. You know, it means a lot. And it's um, for me and for other young adults, you know, students that we brought, uh, it touches their hearts. You know, it gives them a heart for that people group, for that culture, for that place. What's the untold story there? What's something that um, you wish people knew? Let's see. There's probably, I guess, one way to answer that would be maybe something we would that people don't really know about being a missionary in general. I would probably say that we're normal people. <laughs> that missionaries are normal people. Um we're starting a family and you know like just going through normal life things like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like we like to have nice have pictures on our walls and like we don't you know you don't just like we don't not care about like comfort and fun and family and things like that. For us, it all, it all works together. Like we, we feel called to missions, but doesn't necessarily mean that we don't also like, you know, watch a movie every once in a while or or (laughs) buy curtains and go out to eat when we have a babysitter. Like, 
I think sometimes people think that it's this just foreign way of living where you like can't relate to anyone or you like you can't you're just on a different level <laughs> mm-hmm. where we're really not. We like our our clothes to look nice and yeah. like we don't you know, you have to you know, definitely have to give things up, but like we're still I don't know, we still have similar interests and enjoy similar things as other 20-something couples. <laughs> yeah, more normal. And yeah, I would say like you know, something in that that I wish people knew is that you you don't have to have an amazing spiritual encounter to decide yeah, to go good. to the mission field, you know, and, and you don't have to have an angel appear to you and tell you that you're called to this nation or, or feel this overwhelming sense, you know, of, my gosh, I just know I'm called to China and I just have to go there and da 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 Like yeah, the like Great Commission really for is for everyone. And the Great Commission was to every believer. And it's it's not because we have this amazing, overwhelming heart of empathy for the people or have had, you know, the Lord come to us in this radical way and call us to this nation. It's just that we've felt just the prick of the Holy Spirit, you know, to actually obey him and what he told us to do, to go and to make disciples of all nations. And and that's, you know, to believers all across the world, it's from everywhere to everywhere. We're all called to go and whatever that looks like. It doesn't mean everybody moves as a missionary no, I mean, we only need 5% of the church to, to go overseas to totally fulfill the Great Commission. Like, that would be amazing. Wow. We don't yes. need everybody to go, <laughs> but everyone has to be engaged. You know, Jesus said to, to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. To me, that speaks of, you know, local, regional, and, and global. And it's in the local sphere of influence, in the regional sphere of influence, and in the global sphere of influence. As Christians, we're called to take an active role. And so, you know, I wish people, I hear people say all the time, like you were saying earlier, like, oh, wow, like, you know, you're so special or like you must have, you know, an amazing story of how God called you. And it's like, no, not really. The Lord just, you know, (laughs) through a bunch of small steps has just led me and and we just decided to say yes and he'll meet you. And so, you know, I just encourage anybody who even has just a, a small amount of interest, like another thing I wish people knew is, life is actually longer than you think. You know, we yeah. all, we always hear, you know, life is so short. Like, you know, you could get in a car crash and die, you know, tomorrow. Like, you're not guaranteed anything. And, and that's true. And life is short. But at the same time, if you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you can take two years or three years or four years and sow your life into the mission field and then come back at age 22 or age 24 and you still have the rest of your life ahead of you to go to college or, or choose a profession or start a business. Um, you have so much time. And so it's not a waste to, to sow two years of your life into doing something like we're doing. So I wish people knew that they had more time than they think they have. That's good. I know we've already had a long answer to this question, but just one more thing that came to mind on the topic of Jonathan mentioning, we only need 5% of the church to go in order for the Great Commission to be completely fulfilled. I would just say that we meet a lot of people. I think people who are middle-aged or older or just people who have really strong ties to what they're doing in America. And um, they almost like have a sense of regret or jealousy. Like, man, what you're doing for God is so awesome. I wish I had had the chance to do that. And I would just say that everyone can be involved and everyone plays an equally important part. Like we literally could not go without having people support us and emotionally, 
financially. It's just not possible unless people will stay here and believe in the ones who go and give them money and pray for them. And that's equally as important, if not more important, because it literally makes it possible. So I would just say that I wish more people knew there's not, we're not the only part of this story. Absolutely. Maybe speak to the importance of prayer in that, because I know the prayer support is a big part of what keeps missionaries on the field and sustains them. Well, yeah, yeah, I would say prayer, prayers to me is, is both a means into the end, you know, of getting workers to the field, Mm -hmm. but it's also an end in itself. When we go to the field and, and we're doing prayer and worship and we're doing these catalytic events, you know, in different cities across the Middle East and whether it's a 24-hour, you know, worship and prayer event or, or things like this, the church is being raised up in a culture of prayer. And that's how the church is growing and expanding and, and frankly, exploding in these regions is through this this catalytic prayer of the sense, you know, Jesus said it, you know, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And they get a sense, you know, of, hey, we have authority. Like there's real God-given authority that intercession and prayer changes things. And so both on the field in the Middle East and across the world, I believe it's an end, but, you know, specifically the means unto the end of, of prayer support, prayer partnership from churches and individuals is so strategic because every step of the way it's a battle. Every step of the way there's resistance. And, you know, Paul said, pray for me that God would open a door right. for the word that the gospel would be manifest as it ought to be. And so there's actually a literal transaction that happens in prayer where doors opened yeah. in the spirit. People's hearts are, are made sensitive and receptive. And that only comes through prayer. It do, you know, it doesn't come just by talking to people. It has to be bathed in prayer, you know, birthed in prayer. This is the way that, that God has desired to actually manifest his kingdom. You know, we were brought in as sons and daughters, but he also calls us kings and priests. And we have a very sense of, ruling and reigning on the earth through partnership with him, but that's that's done through prayer. That's the way he set it up. And so it's such an important step, I believe, for missionaries in the field to be supported in prayer by those who are sending them, those who are back at home. Otherwise, you're just throwing them out there um, and they're vulnerable and they're alone and, and they feel that in a real way when they're in the field. And so I think that prayer support is just so valuable and so important. And I'm so grateful for all those who stand with us. Yeah, that's good. If somebody's listening to this and their heart's racing, something's stirring in them to step into something like this, what would you recommend they do right now in response to that? Well, um, that's a great question. I would say definitely do something. Take that. Yeah, take don't that, do nothing. Do yeah, something. Yeah, take that seriously. I I don't. I can't remember who said it, but I've heard a quote recently that says, pay attention to your tears. They'll you know, that's where your destiny lies. So if God's moving on your heart, do something about it. Our organization practically does have a, a, a training school if missions is something that you're interested in. There's lots of other organizations. So if there's already a door open in front of you, go go for that one. You know, if there's, if there's something God's pricking your heart about specifically, then I would just say go for it and it's probably, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things that don't make sense, but that's probably just a sign that it's God. <laughs> and we also, we take high school and college students on short trips, you know, 10 days or two weeks during a, a break in school or during the summer. And so yeah. you can um, get on our website, which will be in the information, mapsglobal.org, and find a pathway to, to join us, you know, in coming just for 10 days 
to the Middle East, to these unreached areas. Um, it's a, really a life-changing experience. We've had teenagers who have come, have ministered in refugee camps, you know, um, the Syrian refugee crisis, places like this that you wouldn't normally expect to be able to go. You actually can go and, and can make a difference. But even more generally than that, uh, to answer the question, you know, if you're feeling like your heart is stirred by the Lord or, or even just us talking about taking a step of faith and you know the Lord's been leading you to take a step and you've been discouraged or doubting or just unsure and, and you're feeling like the Lord's pushing you to, to step forward. Biggest thing I would say, you know, is is talk to other people about it. Reach out to those around you. Reach out to those who are ahead of you and ask them to help you along. Ask them to pray for you. Ask them to encourage you and just be open and you can go further and faster together than you can alone. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Johanna, for joining us. If somebody wants to support your work, we'll put the link uh, in the show notes for that. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing more from you as your story continues to unfold. Thank Thanks you. For having yeah, us. we're so happy to be part of it. It's been so much fun. And this is Your Voice Podcast. Find your voice, tell your story, change your world. Hey, it's Kay here. There's one big truth about fundraising that people do not tell you when you start out. And that is, if you struggle to tell stories, you will struggle to raise funds. But what kinds of stories do you tell? How do you tell them? Where do you find them? How do you put them together? And how do you do all that while you're running your ministry, while you're doing all the work and all the things that you have to do? It does not have to be overwhelming. This is my good news. And also, I want you to hear this. Fundraising is not just about asking for money. Raising funds for your mission does not have to feel icky. Fundraising is really about relationships. It's about sharing stories with friends. And it's about being very clear about what it takes to accomplish great things together. I created the Mission Writers course to help you tell better stories, to know what stories to tell, when to tell them, how to tell them, where to find your stories. So go over to missionwriters.org. That's missionwriters, like you're writing. Missionwriters.org has all the details on the course and on the group coaching program. So you have two options. And if you love a missionary or a nonprofit leader who needs this course, gift certificates are available. So check it out at missionwriters.org and let's make 2024 your best year ever.